And joining us for further analysis of what's playing itself out on that market scene is Robert Tao from Sassfin Wealth. Uh, Rob, always a pleasure. Good afternoon to you. Yeah, thanks very much. All right, Rob, let's talk about today's uh, day on the JC as well as the European markets. Yesterday when markets closed off, the JC was up more than 3%. I couldn't believe it, but it looks like uh, it's back to reality today. Yeah, so we're giving back some of those gains yesterday, but I think a little bit of a dovish talk from the Fed and people expecting interest rates maybe to have peaked now and a little bit more of that discussion going through in Europe as well. You saw markets recover quite quickly yesterday and quite aggressively across the board, all counters, all sectors. So very strong day for the market yesterday, but we're giving back some today. There are a few anomalies today. So LVMH, the luxury group, uh, reported earnings that missed by quite a lot yesterday. And you've seen that uh, pull back Richmond in our local market. So Richmond holding us back as well. And then on the banking side, First Trans ex-dividend today. Um, and therefore, you know, First Trans down 3%, but mainly it's the dividend. So that would probably have, you know, if you turn that around, the banking sector would be in the green. And then retailers are in the green today again. So, but a little bit of profit taking maybe and a little bit just uh, calming down. The volumes were a little bit increased yesterday again and today, Know, volumes, uh, you know, back down to really thin levels uh, today on the market. But, you know, not too bad a day considering such a strong day yesterday. We are also seeing a gold miners in the green. I'm wondering if this is uh, investors looking for a safe asset. And if gold still uh, holds that value as a, a safe asset, uh, considering just the global volatility we're seeing. I think they also benefit from uh, interest rates not going up further because it's pretty expensive to hold physical gold. Um, when interest rates are much higher. So that was also beneficial to them. So, you know, if interest rates start to come down, but inflation is still high, that's positive for gold. So I think still gold, and obviously, you know, with the with the war in uh, in the Ukraine, Russia, and now also the Middle East, you know, as a safe haven asset, it's looking relatively good. And, you know, money coming back into into the commodities and into gold especially. What we have also seen, uh, Rob, is uh, a seesaw, you know, behavior from uh, market participants with regards to the tone coming out of the U.S. Fed. Of course, yesterday we had uh, the VC, Philip Jefferson, come out and speak, and he was uh, dovish, as you've mentioned. We do expect minutes uh, out today. Uh, are we expecting a consistent tone? Because that could uh, also be a little bit different. That could take markets in a completely different direction. It be interesting to see if the actual minutes are as dovish as the comments coming out from some of the uh, the governors. The governors have been quite dovish this week. Uh, I don't know if it's because, uh, you know, what's happened over the weekend in, in Israel and Gaza, and they don't want to put pressure on interest rates any further. But uh, if the minutes come out and they are as dovish, I think it'll be positive for the markets and you'll see a bounce in the market. So they do come out, you know, still hawkish and not as... Uh, uh, as dovish as they say now, I think you'll you'll see the market wobble slightly. So it'll be interesting to see those numbers come out later today, that report. We also see uh, Chinese retail coming in, showing that uh, consumer spending isn't growing as fast as it did pre the pandemic. I'm wondering if that has also fed into LVMH and then Richmond also, just considering how much luxury uh, the Chinese market consumes. Yes, definitely. I think that luxury spending uh, in China is, uh, has definitely reduced. And I think, you know, the, the amount of travel that the Chinese are doing internally has recovered quite well, but externally still not as good as it was before. So I don't think you're getting that luxury buying uh, going forward into Europe uh, as well. And then the state as well has also stepped down. So you're seeing that the consumer is under pressure all across the board, including in China. And I think people are just, uh, you know, more careful of what they're buying at this stage.
I'm actually keen to get your thoughts on Chinese consumer confidence. We know that China is battling with that. Uh, consumers just holding back on, uh, you know, their savings because they're uncertain of the environment, uh, Rob. And I'm wondering if the the goal to turn China into a consumption-based economy uh, is something that's just going to take a little longer, if possible at all. I think it's very possible. I think one of the things that's holding them back is property. They've got a huge uh, issue with property, and it was one of the areas where the Chinese consumer made a lot of uh, a lot of their wealth, um, and they used to take that wealth and then spend it into the economy. So, with the pressure that's on on the housing in in, in China, that's definitely uh, you know rolled into the general consumer and what they buy, uh, and they're more careful of what they're buying now. I think if their housing comes under control and they start to stimulate that and you start to see some returns come back into into the housing sector, you'll see that flow back into into Chinese uh, consumer demand. So I think, you know, it's a huge market. It's, uh, it's a, a growing market. And I think you, you can't ignore it. And I think it's, you know, something that will recover. I mean, talking about that, maybe we can also touch on Country Garden. They've come out to warn of the possibility of default, Rob. And I'm just wondering here, uh, you know, how much uh, intervention the government uh, can uh, bring to this case. And, I mean, we spoke about Evergrande a few weeks ago. We were bailing Evergrande out again. Is this just what the government has to do uh, to weather the storm that is uh, the Chinese economy right now? So in the past, uh, the government came in quite aggressively when things like this happened. Uh, and this time around, they've uh, been much more circumspect and they haven't just, you know, thrown money at the problem. And the market is waiting for them to, you know, to really put something in to help this housing market. And they're still not quite there yet. So it is a little bit concerning why the Chinese are not being a bit more aggressive there. But I don't think they want a full housing collapse within, within China. And it causes them other problems as well. So I think that they will come in and support these groups. Uh, maybe not to the same extent that they did a couple of years ago when the economy was growing at 6 7 and 8%. They have to be a little bit more careful now, but I don't think uh, you know, they want to see a collapse, an uh, outright collapse. So they will come back into the market. It's just not as aggressive as you know, investors would like them to, to be. Before we move on to picks, uh, Rob, keen to get your thoughts on oil uh, and what we are starting to see investors uh, concede with regards to uh, inclined or increased pressures in the Middle East and the price um, of oil. We've seen oil kind of pull back uh, just below a 90, and I think at around $87 a barrel. Um, is this with all the conflict in the Middle East priced in? I think it is priced in. I think that what you're seeing is that there's just really weak demand. Um, you know, even though they're cutting barrels back on the OPEC side and OPEC plus side, the demand is just not there yet. We've seen in China as well, which are moving quite aggressively to EVs, but also the consumer not spending, um, you know, that, uh, you know, the, the consumption of oil is low there. And also that filters through to Europe and also into the States. So the actual demand for oil is not overly strong. And at the same time, um, you know, at, and at the same time, um, you know, looking forward, people are looking at EVs as something that's going to uh, impact oil as well. So I think it is priced in, depending on the escalation of what happens in, in the Middle East. Uh, I think it's mainly a demand-driven driven issue. Keen to get your stock pick in a GIF, uh, Rob. But before that, uh, let's reflect on counters that have found favor with your industry peers. My stock pick today is Karoo. So we've seen that uh, using a discounted cash flow valuation of a company, it seems to be more than 30% undervalued. 
In their last result, the CEO spoke about committing to 100 billion in expansion capital. And they're also expanding into Southeast Asia, where they've seen a 32% uh, revenue growth last year. Um, they're also expecting Southeast Asia to be their fastest growing region. So we all, they don't have any real significant competitors there. Um, so this should be a, a great way for them to expand and compete fav favorably. Um, then also locally, transmits inefficiencies. Uh, they, we've seen a lot more trucks on the road, which has resulted in Cartrack expanding their fleet management solution. And just a fun fact for you, Zunati, mm -hmm. the company has what we call an investment industry comfortable mode because in South Africa already, more than one in 10 vehicles are connected to the career platform. Well, I'm going with a controversial one with Shell. Uh, we've been liking the energy trade for literally the last three years. We started buying at the end of, of 2020. And still, you know, we think just with the, the, the global and the, the or the geopolitical uncertainty that we see uh, around the world, there are uh, so many, so many sort of reasons to to see these companies keeping on making a lot of money uh, with the transition to cleaner energy. They are fundamental in that transition. They are also many of them uh, have their net zero targets uh, set higher and faster than most emerging uh, countries themselves. So um, so they are working towards a greener economy. They are very cash generative in the current space. And what we've also been seeing is less capital investing from these companies because they're not building into the, the, the uh, old fossil fuel um, businesses anymore. And they are able to pay out a lot of that, uh, that income to investors. So they've changed sort of more to a quality style company than, uh, than what we've seen in the past. My stock pick is Cecil for a short to medium term trade. Uh, basically, besides the oil price rising, you started to see uh, an uptick in chemical prices. Uh, Cecil is basically also a chemical company. But the key thing is we've seen the RAND fall out of bed and we've seen the oil price rise. So for every $1 in the Brent oil price, it translates to about one RAND in uh, Cecil's earnings per share. And every 10 cents in the RAND is something like 100 million on their bottom line. So uh, share price is all about earnings. And I expect when they next report earnings, unless things change dramatically, their earnings will be up quite nicely. And that's why I think that the share price still has some up momentum. All right, Rob, keen to get your thoughts on some of those counters. We have Sasson and Shell, and of course, Karoo, but I believe uh, you're not really one uh, you don't look at. So maybe let's talk about the energy ones, because I think they're also seeing a very interesting time right now. Yes, yeah, so I think if you've got the ability to own an oil company uh, overseas and in South Africa, you would pick an offshore one. So in that respect, if you've got the option to pick an ExxonMobil or a Shell or a BP, I'll prefer that trade over local Sassel. Um, if you take Sassel separately, um, on a valuation level, it's not expensive at all. Um, they are generating cash flow, but they do need uh, the chemical business to recover as well as, uh, as the oil side locally. And I think locally they've got a lot of uh, uh, emissions problems that they've got, and they can be really fine. So pure valuation level, Sassel is cheap. And the earnings should come through. But if you wanted a pure oil play, I would rather go for offshore, if you've got the ability to, I'd buy an offshore provider like ExxonMobil or Shell. Uh, Rob, I'm keen to get your counter for today. Uh, which stock are you looking at? 
So just going back locally, I think that SA banks are relatively good and well-priced at this stage. Um, my pick is First Rand. You're getting about a 6% dividend yield, which is going to protect you. And also, they started to lend at the, the higher end of the cycle. If interest rates uh, you know, stay where they are and start to come off from these levels, that lending book is going to look really healthy. Obviously, you have to take a look at housing and how difficult that's going to be in, in South Africa. But I think you've got a relatively safe trade at these levels. Uh, and I think that 6% dividend yield is going to be a good help. So total return you know, should be definitely in the deep teens. So first, first round is my pick at this stage. Rob, a pleasure catching up with you today. Thank you so much for chatting to us. That was your Midday Markets Update with Rob Tal from Sassman Wealth.